Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, the day before Valentine's Day, February 13th, 2024. And we've got a very serious subject we're going to be talking about today with Dr. Luke Berryman. And Luke is a Chicago-based writer and an educator who founded a group called the Ninth Candle. And the Ninth Candle is a Holocaust education program, and an anti-Semitism education program for, I believe, K-12. It might be for higher grade. I'm going to ask Luke about that, okay? Uh, it's a difficult subject to teach. I know that, okay? It's hard to explain to people, especially considering today's headlines, as I've written here on, on the site. But it is important that we, uh, that we know what happened, that we teach it, that we talk about it. For context in today, for everyone, including students, and for an understanding of why all this is happening and what's going on. So Luke's going to bring us a lot of great information and a great program of education that may help teachers, okay, explain this to students all across the country. And as I say, it's important today. Things are happening out there. We've got to be careful about it. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. That's our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And I hope you go over there. Everything's over there for you, including our magazine, which is the online journal, Equity and Access. You can just go over there, click on the cover, read through the magazine. It's a pretty good issue. All about our Equity Awards winners in K-12 across the nation. And uh, our Equity Awards program is over there, as well as all the podcasts. We do like this one. They're all archived at ace-ed.org. So go over and look at what we're doing, and we appreciate that, and tell your friends. And without further ado, instead of saying adieu, I'll say good morning. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Larry. Here. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. Hey, Luke, are you on a speakerphone? No, I'm not on a speakerphone. Oh, good, because I was having just a little bit of trouble hearing you. I would like to ask that question if that's the case. Just make sure you're talking <laughs> right into your phone. Okay, because sometimes people just want to get comfortable, have that cup of coffee. I get it, but it kind of—I always like to make sure people can be understood fully. Luke, okay, your founder, CEO of the Ninth Candle. Tell us about that. What the what? And, and tell us what the origin of the name of the group is, and then we'll talk about what you guys do. Oh Go yeah, for it, Luke. So, out in Chicago, my yeah. old stomping grounds. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Ninth Candle is a nonprofit organization. Uh, founded in 2020, and we work with schools across the United States to help them improve the way that they teach the Holocaust. Um, we do that through two streams. One is by working uh, with teachers to build uh, educational programs for their students, and the other stream is by working with administrators and teachers also to build professional development programs for their, their faculty. So as for the name, we're not a religious organization. Right. Uh, we are not seeking to convert anybody, but we are also um, inspired <laughs> by Jewish culture and history and wisdom. And so when we were looking for our name, um, there is a ninth candle on the Hanukkah menorah. Um, its job is to be used to light all of the other candles. Uh, it is not a sacred candle, unlike the others. It is not a part of the Hanukkah festival. Its only job is to bring light. And uh, 
that that stood out to us when we were looking for a name, and so the ninth candle was born. Excellent, Luke, and I'm picking up that heavy Chicago accent of yours. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah. I, I am from England originally. I moved to the United States in 2016. Uh, my wife is born and raised Chicago, um, so yeah, I've been here for best part of a decade now. Good enough. Well, welcome to our country. You speak English so well, as I like to say, yeah. everybody from England. <laughs> Yeah, what part of England are you from? Downtown England or suburban England? Were you... um, more suburban, yeah. I, I come from a very small town that's about an hour north of London, so southeast of the country. No, it's okay, and I've been there many times, and I love it over there. Okay, and it's great to have you here, and especially I lived in Chicago for such a long time. It's great to have you here. Talking from there, one question, how's the weather in Chicago today? Uh, I was wearing sunglasses uh, in the car on the drive uh, in this morning. So, yeah, it's very nice. It's blue, sunny, bit chilly, but very nice. You are in Chicago, Illinois, not Chicago, Florida, right? You are. You do. Right? I, I am in Chicago, yeah. Illinois, yes, yeah. not Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jack. <laughs> okay, Luke, this is, it's really good that you're doing this work. And, you know, the work that you're doing is extremely important. And, and, and I put this in here, and this is, this is a, it, the Holocaust education is always tough to talk about. It shouldn't be. It is a part of history. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, but teachers still have trouble with it because it's very, very rough and it's very hard to get people an understanding of how impactful it was. Okay. The Holocaust. Right. Okay. And how, you know, it's it just, it's hard to do. And I, I know you're familiar with that uh, old documentary called uh, Paper Clips. You're familiar with that, I assume? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, with the kids, they had, you know, six million people of Jewish, six million Jewish people were killed during the Holocaust in Europe. All right. And the teachers right. or, or in the in I think it was Kansas years ago, decided to have their kids put that in perspective by um, collecting six million paper clips. And when they started mm-hmm. to realize that each of those represented a people, a person and how how many it was, it started to sink in. Okay, and I remember watching that documentary, and anybody who hasn't seen it, it's just absolutely astounding when you start talking about numbers. Okay, but for some reason, it's still it's it's hard. And again, the cruelty of it, etc. It's hard. What are you trying to accomplish with the ninth candle? What grades is it for? Okay, and how does it yeah. work? And that's a lot. So just I'm going to let you go on this. Go ahead. Okay, so yeah, the, the, yeah, all great questions. Feel so free to fill in any context I'm missing, by the way, Luke. Just go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We so we are grades six through twelve. Um, Thank you. There are organisations that will work with elementary uh, level. We we generally don't. The reason being um, that we are all about inquiry based learning. Um, and in order to do that fully, the students need to be a little bit older, you know, middle school, high school level, um, in order to grasp the techniques that we're trying to um, impart to them. Um, and so, yeah, you know, as for the, the material, I mean, it, yes, it's, it's very challenging, um, obviously, uh, for anyone to get their head around, right, for adults. Absolutely. Uh, let, let alone for to children, but I, I think for us, through the emphasis on inquiry-based learning, what we're trying to do 
it's helped the, the students to understand how and why this event happened in the time and place that it did. I, I think a lot of, it's very easy for educators to fall into the trap of trying to elicit an emotional response from their, uh, from their students uh, with this material. And um, that's understandable. You know, maybe they read a novel like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas or right. uh, something like that, and it, it gets them very overwhelmed. Uh, uh, I think that, yeah, it's, it's not productive. It's not productive for the kids, and that's why we try and focus on inquiry-based learning, which means getting them to work with historical documents, helping them to analyze them and to understand them, and uh, to assemble all of their analysis into some kind of narrative that helps them to explain why this thing happened. Um, in terms of our programs and, and how we work, one of the reasons that I founded the organization um, is because I was really dissatisfied with the, the old-fashioned idea that you can just write a lesson plan and then distribute that lesson plan to every school in the U.S. and expect that it's going to go well. Uh, I think the landscape of Holocaust education in the country is, is so uneven that what works in a school that, you know, is near to a, a fantastic Holocaust museum and that has a survivor come and talk to them every Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day and that maybe has connections with the local synagogue and a, a reasonable Jewish community, what works for that school is not going to work for a rural school that has right. no access to a museum, that has no Jewish community. Um, and so what we do instead, rather than this one-size-fits-all approach, we speak to the teachers. You know, we want to know what they've been doing with their students, why they want to teach the Holocaust, what they're hoping to achieve by teaching the Holocaust. We want to know a bit about them and their interests, and we want to know a bit about the kids that they have in their classroom. And then once we have that information, we start to build a tailored program that is designed specifically for them. Um, so it, it means that the schools that we work with, um, it tends to have a really deep impact because each school yeah. comes away with the feeling that this program really belongs to us and we had a voice, we had a say in how it was put together. So that's, that's what we do. Well, so you would go in and the, stu the students, the teachers themselves would help you build this program, okay, based taking your knowledge and putting it together with theirs, okay? So it's not a and, – and, and I live in rural Maine, okay? I live about right. an hour northwest of uh, Portland. It's a pretty rural community, okay, and a very mm -hmm. small Jewish community, very few Jewish people here in the, in the, in the town, okay? But th this is important for them. If you came into a, a district like, like mine, okay, which is a, 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 a lovely community, Okay, how do you? What would happen? How would you? How would you go about? What questions would you ask? So, well, question number one is: Have you taught the Holocaust before? And if the answer to that question is yes, then I want to learn about what's been done in the past. Uh, you know, we have worked with schools in rural communities all over the country, and uh, you, it's it's really wonderful when you find that there are plenty of teachers out there who have fairly deep subject knowledge um, with this uh, with this particular topic and and this material and you know that then is um, an opportunity to lean on their expertise and, and bring them 
into the conversation. If the answer to the question is no, and we've not taught this subject before, and I don't really know what I'm doing with it, then we will talk instead about, well, why do you want to do this at all? Uh, you know, what are you hoping mm-hmm. to achieve by teaching it? What are your broad overarching goals? And then we can start putting together an introductory course uh, for their students, which will fill as much time as we're allowed. You know, some schools will want a sequence that. of lessons that will, you know, last for weeks. Other schools will just want to do this in one hit, in one assembly, one morning. Um, and, you know, we will work with, we, we will work with whatever we're given. And, and, you know, Luke, that's interesting. I hadn't even thought about this as an assembly program. That didn't even enter my mind. I was yep. thinking. I was thinking about it as a social, kind of a social studies classroom experience, okay, or or maybe yeah. a multidisciplinary experience. You know, and mm-hmm. counting to six million is mathematically uh, something interesting, okay. And so right. it's, it's, it's literally an inter- interdisciplinary uh, experience. But what do you find? Do you find that they're doing it more in classrooms, or they're doing it more in assemblies these days? I just want to well, get I, that I, out for everybody. I mean, certainly for us, our preference is always to, to be in the classroom, and uh, it really varies. I, I think that there are yeah, probably more schools that reach out to us than not are interested in something that's classroom-based. But equally, um, if a school comes to us and for whatever reason they're really keen to do one of our programs, but they can, they've only got 90 minutes for it, and an assembly is the only format they can do, we will still work with them. You know, we will never turn people away. That's Um, fine. You should. Yeah. You know, we we want to start from a position of respect for teachers and schools, and I I think it it does have to be respected that teaching is one of the most overworked professions (laughs) in in the contemporary world, right? Teachers are very busy people, schools are busy places, and sometimes the reality is that these things have to be done um, in in a short spell of time. And, uh, you know, we will do an assembly, maybe it becomes the foundation of a relationship, we go back the next year and do something a bit longer, um, you know, we always have our eye on the, the longer game. Right, and, and as well you should, and Luke, let me ask you this, okay, when you say Holocaust education, okay? Yeah. You know that's what you're doing, but there's there's an awful lot of anti-Semitism. Going, well, you got to put that in perspective, but it, it's on the rise for some crazy mm-hmm. reason, okay? And I'm not talking about October 7th in Israel because <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. just short period, although it's that, that that's not helping, okay? Uh, no right. matter how you do it. And, and again, Holocaust education puts that, if I may, into perspective. Okay, the, mm-hmm. an, an Israeli mentality, you know, you, you have to put all that together. As you look at this and as you're learning and all that sort of thing, and it's, this is going to be an odd question, okay, could Holocaust education, all right, be a thing? And when you teach it, and I'm asking it this way, okay, there are other ethnic groups, and we don't, everybody knows this. I was just talking to somebody on an earlier show about Rwanda. They had a genocide uh, you know, 25, 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Okay. And, and how do you want to approach this? I mean, Holocaust, when people say Holocaust, they're talking about World War II. Okay. And what the Nazis mm-hmm. did. Okay. But it obviously that's genocidal and genocide goes much further. 
Okay. How do you, how mm-hmm. do you approach it in, the, in that regard? Please. Yeah. So for, for us, um, if you're seeking to understand how and why the Holocaust happened uh, in the time and place that it, that it did, then you, you have to also understand the history of anti-Semitism, where it was born, and how and why it came into being, and then how and why it became the centerpiece of Nazi ideology and why it drove everything that that they did. So I I find that um, anti anti-Semitism is a it's fundamentally illogical, and that's what we try and encourage. Of course, it is. Be, you know, in the in the anti-Semitic imagination, Jews are both very rich and very poor. They are in charge of society, but they're also trying to bring society down. They are very weak, but they also have these kind of freakish superpowers. Um, And when you expose this and you just hold it up for kids to see, they realize for themselves that, oh, oh yeah, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. It's completely illogical. So, you know, we, we don't go in preaching about the wrongs and and hatred and the senselessness of hatred and, and so on and so on, although all of that is self-evident and I understand it why is. people do it. It's just, it's not our approach. We instead want to say to the kids, to invite them, come and have a look at this and realize for yourselves how little sense it actually makes. And once they've realized and the kind of dark mystique uh, of, of anti-Semitism falls away, um, you can see their minds opening and, um, you know, maybe beginning to embrace Jewish culture and Jewish wisdom um, and Jewish history uh, as something that they are interested in um, and something that they want to support. So that's that's how we tackle that that problem. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's astounding. And I have to ask, what's the reaction of both teachers? Okay, and as I say, the community, but also more importantly, students. Oh, you go into a school, school district. Okay, you talk to them about this, and, and you know, again, in rural areas, people don't they, they, they don't interact with a lot of Jewish people because most Jewish people aren't in rural areas. They t- tend to be a little mm-hmm. more urban, if I may stereotype just a little bit. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm curious, what's what's the reaction as, as you go through this? I mean, it's easy to hate people you've never seen. Okay. Well, I, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh, students love it. I I think students love being told, uh, you know, that today we're going to do what professional historians do. I'm going to show you professional techniques. We're going to be using primary sources and original documents, and then it's on you to be the professors here and to analyze this stuff and to put it all together and to tell me what's going on. They they love that approach. Yeah. They love being given that responsibility. Um, and I, I think you steer them toward a conclusion. You help them along the way. But if they feel like they own it, if they feel like they have reached this conclusion by themselves, it's it's so much more impactful than just going in and telling them, this is what you should think. And, um, you know, e- even if even if it's done with the best will and the best intention and, and with all of the right motives, I, I think that that technique, just going in and telling them, it does not work. And they need to be allowed uh, to, to take the reins themselves. And 
Yeah, as for teachers and administrators, you know, I think the ninth candle is offering something very different from the standard fare, and that I think sometimes can make people a bit nervous because it's something that yeah. they haven't tried before. Yeah. Um, however, I think that they also do react very positively to being told this is your program as well. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like yet because we haven't had a chance to work on it together. Um, I think they're much more used to being told, here's a lesson plan, here's how you have to deliver it, here's all of the activities that you can do at the end. Um, you know, it takes away all of their autonomy, and we're trying to, you know, give that back to them. And what kind of teachers or what kind of, what kind of districts have you been working with? Uh, and, and teachers as well. Is it mostly social studies teachers, or how, what's, what's it shaking out to be? Is it mostly urban? Is it mostly rural? Uh, who are you working with? Uh, uh, all sorts. I, I think pretty much Good. every every kind of school you could think of. We've worked with. We've worked nice. with big private schools in New York City. We've worked with rural public schools in Montana. Um, we have worked with um, yeah, just and um, everything in between. As for subject teachers, yeah, I probably mostly social studies teachers, history teachers, but we've also worked with literature and language teachers. Uh, we had yeah. one art teacher do a program with us. So good, good. Uh, again, the, the possibilities are endless. Well, they, they are endless. And I will say this, and I'll say this again, although, and again, I was an old social studies teacher, emphasis on the old, okay? But it has to, this is an interdisciplinary subject. Okay, yeah. it's not a social studies yeah. subject. This is an interdisciplinary subject. Okay, and if you're approached right, you can be approached with younger kids. Okay, because yeah. you, you want to teach that it's a it's a program against hate. Okay, and in this yeah. day and age, this is this is really what we need. And Luke, what what's your background? Uh, how did you get involved in what got you involved in this? Something must have sparked this five years ago. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good question. Um, yeah. So I. I did a PhD on uh, Nazi Germany. I, I looked at the way that they had used classical music in their propaganda. Um, I finished that in 2014 and then went into education. Um, I worked in a lot of different educational settings. Um, I taught in universities and in K through 12 schools, both here and back in England. I also worked for a company that ran study abroad programs for high school kids. And by 2018 or 19, I was beginning to think that maybe one day there would be a way for me to fuse together the research that I did for the PhD with all of this experience that I'm building up in education. And uh, then one day out of the blue, in 2019, I had an email um, from somebody telling me they were a very distant relative, uh, that they wanted some information about myself and any siblings that they had because they were working on a family tree. They'd been working on this family tree for 20 or 30 years, something like that. And I should preface the rest of this story by saying that my grandfather on my mother's side, uh, who was Jewish, uh, had died in 2006, so many years before. Um, he was born in Lithuania, but moved to South Africa 
and then moved from South Africa to England. But he left Lithuania in the mid-1920s, and he had never breathed a word about the Holocaust to anyone. Uh, as far mm. as my family all knew, uh, the Holocaust had not touched him, and you know he showed no signs of being burdened by it. Um, so anyway, I, at some point in corresponding with this very distant relative, they sent me a copy of their family tree. And just out of curiosity, I looked through and found my, my late grandfather there and was stunned to find that the man had dozens of aunts, uncles, cousins uh, who had stayed behind in Lithuania when his family mm. had left to South Africa and that all of them had been murdered in the Holocaust. Wow. And I, I was shocked. I phoned up my, my mum, uh, who lives in England, and said, you know, did you know about this? And she said, no, I didn't. I'm going to call wow. your grandmother. Uh, my grandmother was still alive at the time that, that she's been brought up past. Phoned her up. My grandmother also didn't know. So, you know, this was a secret that my grandfather had kept his entire life from absolutely everybody. And um, I think that for whatever reason, that was the the catalyst for me. And, uh, you know, I yeah. think maybe it made me feel like if he could, if he could never speak about this, then, then maybe I could say it. And so the following hmm. year, the ninth candle was born and, uh, yeah, we've been growing since then. Right. And, but the, an amazing story, and a, a, a touching story, etc. and how scary that whole thing was. I'm sure, you know, right. your grandfather thought, best to leave this behind and out of my mind all the time. I got to tell you, it's just uh, it, it's almost impossible to comprehend you know, when, when you think yeah. about this. You know, you asked me to ask a very interesting question. I'm going to ask okay, uh, Holocaust <clears throat> education mandates coming down from a school board, coming down from a community, whatever the case may be. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, help or a hindrance, and I'm going to say something in regards to this. There's a lot of talk okay. about, as you, as you well know, critical race theory okay mm -hmm. and that 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 leads lends more to obviously african-american people okay and mm -hmm. they want their history they want that history told they want to understand mm -hmm. that history okay they were brought here involuntarily for the most part 99 percent of the many 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 hundreds of years ago okay to not that long 200 years ago 300 okay and my my point is okay you know, see, everybody says, oh, you know, should we do this? Should we do this? Then all of a sudden you mandate Holocaust education, which tends to lead itself to Jewish people. Okay. And, uh, you know, the, the, talk to me about the mandate. Uh, uh, is it good or bad? Or should it be left up to a school district, a teacher? How do you see that, Luke? It, it's a yeah, difficult so question. I, it, it is. I think, and the, you, there are a lot of Jewish organizations lobbying for more Holocaust education mandates. I think the main problem from my perspective with them is that they are often so vague and they leave so, uh, they, they put so much responsibility at the feet of individual school districts and school boards. So, for example, mm -hmm. there are some Holocaust mandates where the state says this subject must be taught in schools. However, what constitutes a unit of instruction will be left up to the individual board or district. Now, that means that if you have a board that's maybe reluctant to do this subject or um, not even reluctant, but maybe just uh, scared of getting into it because um, of all of the uh, you know, issues that come along with it, 
they may just say, well, okay, as long as the teachers show the kids Schindler's List or as long as they take them yeah. to the local Holocaust Museum for one, a one-day field trip, the mandate will be fulfilled. And then suddenly you realize that this mandate that you've been lobbying for all along is now going to prevent schools or certainly give them a tool for saying we don't need to engage with this any further. Um, so, yeah, sometimes they are a hindrance. I, I think for me, the reason to, to learn about the Holocaust is its uniqueness. I, I think that uh, it mm. poses a unique challenge to our understanding of what it means to be human and uh, a unique challenge to our concept of culture and civilization and uh, everything else. That's right. And that, that means that this subject is relevant for everyone, no matter their, their background, where they are in the country, uh, it, everybody can get something from studying this subject. And, uh, you know, that's why we're trying to bring it to as many schools as we can. Right. And, and, and I just want to say that, that, that the Germans of the 19th, German people of the 1920s, mm-hmm. 1930s were some, were some the early, well, say the early 20th century, were some of the most sophisticated, well-educated, well-cultured people. Okay, oh, and yeah. look what happened to that country. Okay, you're not talking yeah. about a bunch of uh, Neanderthals, although that is in Germany. Okay, but you're not talking about right. a, a bunch of K people that emerged and suddenly acted uncivilized. You're talking about one of the most civilized countries in the world. Okay, and if it yeah. can happen there, it can happen anywhere. All right, and right. we've let um, it happen. Yeah, to, to yeah. African-American people, okay, over the course of, mm-hmm. of, of thousands of years, and it happened specifically to Jewish people, okay, in yeah. Europe. And, and it's affecting us today because we bounce around the subject. That's the problem with people who are against teaching the African-American experience as well as teaching this. This stuff can't – you can't right. dance around this. This is our responsibility. Is that simple? Yeah, no, I – uh, yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, that it taps into something really interesting, another kind of common issue with uh, Holocaust education, that, you know, if a teacher is just showing uh, the kids a movie like Shiver's yeah. List or yeah. Boy in the Striped Pajamas or, or any of those other ones, um, yeah. you know, that there's an issue with how both Jews and Nazis are represented on screen. And, the way in which the Nazis tend to be represented on screen is as these completely inhuman monsters. Now, I obviously understand the reason for that. However, one has to take a moment to think about the impact that that's going to have on a 13- or 14-year-old student. If they can look at the screen and see that person and say, well, this person's barely even human, and I'm certainly nothing like them, Right. then they're going to struggle to take away any right. lessons for their own life. Whereas if you go into inquiry-based learning and ask those kind of questions, like how did this great civilized nation, uh, which you know was at the seat of European culture and philosophy centuries, how did those people end up committing these, these crimes? And let's get into understanding the process and how this actually came about. Um, the, the lessons that they pull from that approach are far deeper and, and more impactful for them. Right. It, it's just so important what you're doing. How are you getting the word out, Luke? How do you get in touch with schools and find them and all that? 
So, yeah, so, so uh, through a variety of means, uh, we try to stay as active as we can on social media. Uh, we have a, a website that folks can visit. Um, we sometimes contact schools directly. Uh, other times, schools will contact us. We have a lot of instances where one school uh, in one district will recommend us to other schools in their district. So, you know, we, we don't have a set play for getting in touch with schools. Uh, we just try and get the word out however we can. Well, we're trying to help you here at this end. Okay, I'm going to send you this <laughs> podcast so you can use it any way you want, my friend. Okay? Put yep, it up on the website, whatever you. you want to do. We can do more together. In fact, next time we should bring you back on and you should bring one of the teachers with you who use the program. Would you like to do that? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Let's plan on it. Okay, we'll make that happen. Okay, this okay. is good stuff, Luke. And it's ext- again, it's extremely important in this day and age. We're at February 13th, 2024. Okay, right. and everybody knows what's right. going on. Okay, just, yeah. it's a tough world out there, but we got to look at it straight in the eye. Okay, yeah. Dr. Berman, thank you so much. Enjoy your sunny day in Chicago. We'll do more together, I promise. Yeah, thank you very much for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're always welcome, Luke. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's okay. good stuff. Okay, be proud of yourself. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Dr. Luke Ferryman. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And I hope he has a good deep dish pizza today or some good ribs out in Chicago, my old stomping crabs. All right, we're going to archive the show, a very important show, over at ace-ed.org. It's the ninthcandle.com if you want to check it out, but I do have it linked over here. And although it is Holocaust education, it's more than that. Just remember that, okay? And the way we teach this is the way kids learn a very difficult lesson, okay? The way we all learn a very difficult lesson. And we're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Radio. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Lucas.